Thomas was born in Yorktown in 1738 to one of Virginia's first families. He had been raised and groomed since childhood to assume the reins of power, wealth, and social status. He was a leading merchant, businessman, and a Burgess. At 14, Thomas was sent to England for an education. He was placed at a private school in a village in London. Also attended the University of Cambridge and enjoyed the instruction of a distinguished doctor, Bilby Porteus, a Bishop of London. Under his guidance, Thomas acquired a taste for the literary pursuits. At the end of 1761, Thomas returned home and in the following year married the daughter of Philip Grimes, Esquire of Brandon, and they settled at Yorktown. The fortune that was given to him by his father at the time of his marriage allowed him to maintain a lifestyle of such elegance and hospitality that was uncommon. As years passed, Thomas became a member of the governor's council in Virginia and started living a wealthy political life. Thomas became a member of the House of Burgess in 1774. The same year was appointed to the first general convention which met at Williamsburg on the 1st of August. The next year, 1775, he returned a second time as a member to the General Convention of the province, during the session of which he introduced a resolution for organizing a military force in the province, a step which obviously placed the colony of Virginia in the attitude of opposition to Britain. With the tensions of war imminent and apparent, in March of 1775, Thomas told a Richmond Convention of Virginia politicians that if any British troops landed within the county, he would not wait for orders to retaliate, and he would neither obey orders that would forbid him to summon his militia against the invaders. At this time, he was only a lieutenant. In July 1775, the Third Convention of Virginia delegates assembled at Richmond, and in the following month, Thomas was appointed a delegate to represent the colony in the Continental Congress, which was to assemble at Philadelphia. Agreeably to this appointment, he took his seat in that body on the 13th of September. In mid-1775, Thomas was elected to fill George Washington's seat in the Second Continental Congress when Washington left to assume command of the Continental Army. Thomas also joined General George Washington to besiege the British in his hometown as commander of the Virginia militia. Thomas was in charge of one-third of the American troops during the battle. When he learned the Continental Army was coming south to challenge Cornwallis, Thomas personally began gathering food and supplies from the Virginia countryside for his troops. Not only did Thomas serve his country with his military service and service as a politician, he funded the war for independence from his own pocket somewhere in the sum of $2 million of his own money. The colonial militia hadn't put up much of a fight when the British Army invaded Virginia. 
So there was a want for a more military-minded governor. Thomas was elected by the General Assembly in June of 1781 because of his tenacity from earlier battle accounts. When General George Washington's men and French troops arrived, Thomas set up artillery batteries on his own land outside of town. During the Siege of New York in 1781, at the age of 38, and having been promoted to the rank of general, Thomas speculated that General Cornwallis had set up British headquarters in a nearby home. He noticed that his artillery, funded by his own money, was purposely avoiding sending rounds into that home. Thomas was said to have offered a small sum of money to the first one who could hit the house first and destroy it, therefore crippling the British headquarters to General Cornwallis. To his men's surprise, they focused the firepower on the British headquarters and proceeded to lay round after round of cannon fire into the house and therefore destroying it. The reason to their surprise from these orders was that it was Thomas's very own home he turned the cannons on. Thomas ordered his men to focus on his own home in his hometown, willing to sacrifice his possessions for his fellow Virginians, then have it fall into the hands of the enemy. <coughs> in November of 1781, poor health forced Thomas to resign as governor. The war had laid ruins to his business. The $2 million of his own money to help finance Virginia's war costs was never repaid by the state. And Thomas was left a poor man with a wife and 11 children. Living on the edge of poverty in 1789, he died of asthma eight years after the 1781 siege and was buried in an unmarked grave in Yorktown. Thomas Nelson Jr. is not the most familiar name in history books today. And this story would be unfamiliar, is unfamiliar to most, if not all, students in school today. But you can find his name within a group of names written on an old piece of paper titled The Declaration of Independence. It's safe to say that by today's standards, Thomas Nelson's story doesn't reflect uh, a modern-day governor by any means or a wealthy politician. Although it is impressive that Thomas Nelson Jr. was a military leader and a governor and rounded up food and supplies personally for his men, using his own land to quarter colonial troops for George Washington, and impressive uh, equally, turning the cannons on his own home so that it wouldn't be used any longer by British troops or even being a signer of the Declaration of Independence. It is equally impressive that when he was asked if he felt embittered about his treatment before he died, Nelson stated, I would do it all over again. Who is your Thomas Nelson Jr. today? 
The heroes involved with the creation of the United States started as ordinary men. They were wealthy, poor, young, old, educated, and uneducated. But they all started as ordinary citizens in their local areas. The United States is comprised of ordinary, everyday citizens that have the same dedication and sacrifice as Thomas Nelson Jr. However, they are unsung heroes of our nation. One unsung hero today that I admire is a man by the name of Lou Menor. who died December 25th, 2021. The words he wrote before he died apply today and should be used for everyone today. He wrote, following the political scene today is consuming. Although there are challenges that we need to focus on individually, we need to focus attention on the long game where we study and learn to gain the knowledge of what made the United States an exceptional nation. Most of our isolated problems would be alleviated if we, as individuals, learned, followed, and fought for our founding principles and laws. Granted, this takes time, and we are not afforded a lot of time. And yet, it is a quest in which we must engage. Although he won't be in the history books and you won't find him on Google, he was dedicated to becoming the best man that he could be as a father, a husband, and a citizen of the United States. I challenge you out there as well as myself to find someone out there who is your modern day patriot your modern-day Thomas Nelson or Lou Menor, willing to dedicate just a little time to studying what it took to create this country and make it a great nation. True patriots that are willing to sacrifice their home, livelihood, and life, how are you contributing to your citizenship in honor of those who made these sacrifices? Who is your Thomas Nelson today? Thomas Nelson Jr. personified the closing words of the Declaration of Independence that bears his signature. And for support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. For the Vital Expedition, I'm Nathan Lewis. Studio Veritatis. <laughs>